community groups um, have all uh, studied in the past two weeks. And so if you are involved in a community group and um, you sat in a room in a circle and talked through this, uh, what I want to do tonight is to add uh, add to that and not replace that. Um, I feel like every group God takes in its own direction according to what the needs are for that group and that night. And so um, anything that I do tonight uh, just needs to just be another layer on top of that. Um, and you have to forgive me if some of these points are the same. Um, but I think it's different when we approach a text in this context uh, as a as a church body gathered together than it is in a small group. It's just different. Not better, not worse. It's just different. And um, I don't know how much uh, your group leaders got into this or anything like that. If you're not involved in a community group and you want to be, this is a great time to, to jump into one. Um, you can stop at the table. There's some more information there. This is not a, a pitch to try to get more people in our groups or anything like that. Um, but this is what our groups are, are going to study together uh, this semester. Uh, if, if you look in your Bible, um, starting with Psalm 120 all the way through 134, um, it has like a little subtitle that says, A Song of Ascents. And um, here's one take on that, uh, what that's all about. Um, there's a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction that a guy named Eugene Peterson wrote uh, a while back. And um, basically he walks through uh, these psalms of ascent and pulls out uh, truths that apply to um, – It's the subtitle of the book is Discipleship in an Instant Society. And the whole point being that there is no instant when it comes to discipleship. But we really struggle with that because of, you know, where we live and all that kind of stuff. And um, so he walks through these psalms, and that's basically what our community groups are going to do. Um, whatever you talked about this week, the next time you have Bible study, be the next one in line. We're just going to walk through those. His book is going to kind of guide us through that. But um, the reason why they're called Psalms of Ascent is that um, three times a year, uh, all of the... Um, the Hebrews, you know, the, the nation of Israel, they would travel to Jerusalem for uh, holy festivals. And um, Jerusalem was uh, high, and so the, the entire journey was basically uphill, sometimes really steep, sometimes not so steep. Um, but basically they were ascending the, pretty much the whole way, and it was a pilgrimage they obviously took by foot. And so um, these you know, families would set out or little villages or groups or whatever, and they would set out on this journey, and they were journeying to um, the Holy Festival, to a time of, of big corporate worship. And uh, so these psalms were, uh, are believed to be a part of the journey for all of them. Um, don't know if they were singing these things or if they were reciting these or whatever, but this was, was kind of the, the playlist for their journey as they were, were on their way. And uh, it's believed that, that as they were, would go through these, these psalms and these you know, uh, poems and stuff like that, that this was, a part, uh, this was how they prepared for what was ahead of them. Um, 
parents would talk to their kids about the things in these psalms, you know. You know how kids are probably full of questions of like, are we gonna, what are we going to do? And we're going to do this like last time. And, and so the whole way the, 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 their parents are able to explain to them um, what they're going to do and why and, and their, the heritage that they come from and all the things that God has done in, the, in their lives and the lives of their ancestors and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, would be, it would be like uh, kind of like a, a part of what we do uh, on Sunday nights is called 545 Prayer. From 545 to 6:15, um, there's nothing that goes on in here except for uh, praying. Sometimes some some sleeping, but most of the time uh, people pray, and because uh, it's dark and quiet. And uh, but what we're doing is we're preparing ourselves as individuals, and we're preparing the room for what's going to happen at 6:30 when this time uh, kicks off. Um, Sort of the same thing, except the whole way that, that they're traveling, they're going through these psalms, and they're talking about God and all the things he's done, and has a way of preparing their hearts for what is ahead. Um, and so if you, if you think about that, um, that's pretty, pretty amazing stuff you know, that we have in front of us what um, – Years and years and years and years ago, like this is these are the discipleship tools that families used, that people used as reminders and as times of worship and in times of, of teaching. And so our groups are going to walk through those this semester. Um, in Eugene Peterson's book, he talks about how there are two kind of two ideas that uh, have been that kind of have shaped what uh, discipleship is about. Um, one word is, is disciple, which is like, you know, the, the apprentice mindset where um, if someone was going to learn a, a trade, uh, they wouldn't necessarily just go to school and learn about a bunch of stuff, you know, in like textbooks or lectures or whatever. The, an apprenticeship was where you get in there and you physically do the things you're learning how to do. And, and you learn from, from someone else. You know, you learn from the, the master craftsman on, on how to do things. Um, all of us have, have kind of experienced that where um, it's like, like if, you, if, you are, if you're in college and you are majoring in, like, education, you don't go and spend four or five or six or seven years sitting in a classroom talking about theories of education and how to teach and methodology and all this kind of stuff. And then, then, like, you graduate, and they send you out there and to get a job and whatever. No, from the very first class you take, they're sending you to the lab school to observe teachers, you know. And, and almost every uh, education class you take requires you going into a school to watch a teacher, and you have to evaluate them and all this kind of stuff. And then the further along you get, then you start actually having to do some teaching as well. And then there's a student teaching time where you are mentored by, um, by a, a professional educator. You know? And then after all that stuff, what's happened is you, you've combined the classroom learning with the experiential learning, and you are hopefully ready to go out there and enlighten young minds. You know? um, that's discipleship. And so that's kind of, you know, what happens, too, in the life of, of the church and just in Christians, Christians in general. That's why we, um, why all of our community groups are, uh, have, are what is now being termed multi-generational, okay? Um, but that's really just a way of saying, like, we don't ask how old you are or any sort of demographic information. We're like, what night do you want? <laughs> you know, that's about it. And that's why we'll have college students and uh, mid-20s people and, you know, all these kind of – 
different kinds of people, different backgrounds. We have families. We have single people. We have, you know, everything is in a group because we believe that that is how discipleship happens. You know, we learn the ways of the faith um, through God's word and through the Holy Spirit and also through the experiences of, of us as a, as a collective group. as so we process those things together. All right. So there's the discipleship. Discipleship is one word. The other word that Peterson talks about is pilgrim. And I hadn't really ever thought about like pilgrim as being something that would describe what life in Christ is about. But he makes a really, a really just, just an amazing point where he's talking about how we are, we're each of us, as we're being discipled and we're being apprenticed by Christ in us and by people around us, um, we're also on this journey. Um, basically, we're going from a place we don't belong, which is here on, on the earth. We're going to the presence of God ultimately for eternity. Um, and so as we're on this pilgrimage, we're all in this, we're all like on the same path, experiencing the same like stupid stuff in the world and fighting a lot of the same battles. And so um, as we're on this journey together, we have to remember that like there are no journeys that happen really quickly, you know. And so this, this long uh, process that we are all engaged in together, um, combined with the idea that as we are journeying, we are also being discipled, those things all pressed together kind of describe what life in Christ is about as far as how it practically plays out in our lives. Um, these psalms are meant to teach and to help along the way. God's word is meant to do that same thing. And so... Um, that's kind of where our community groups are going to hang out and, and invest in each other and dig in, into God's word and um, while both of those things are going on, all right? Now, Psalm 121 is the second psalm in this series. I don't know that they're necessarily in any sort of real order, um, but the reason why I want to talk about this psalm tonight is that I, I believe that, this, that what this psalm communicates is going to play into a lot of what the next couple of months are going to hold for you and for me as we go forward as a church. Um, our 30 days of prayer is wrapping up. Um, after, uh, after Mardi Gras, we're going to start a series that I think, um, I think God's really just going to hit the nail on the head as far as our church and where we are um, and some things that we need to hear. And uh, so that's coming up. I think that this is going to be foundational for us. All right, let's read the psalm together. This is the longest introduction in history, by the way. Um, psalm 121. Let's read, read through the whole thing, and then we'll go back. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Go back to verse 1. Now remember, these 
pilgrims are traveling. And all around them, there are mountains and hills and stuff like that. And so it's so appropriate that it begins, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Now, you may have covered some of this stuff in your community group, but if you didn't, it's cool. And if you're not in a community group, let me kind of echo some of those things. Um, some would interpret the lifting of the eyes to the hills being like Jerusalem is ahead, right? That's where they're going. And there's a lot of emphasis put on the city itself, almost to the point of uh, like or the focus being like way, way, way in the wrong place. You know, like the focus was Jerusalem and not on the Lord, you know. Um, we can kind of understand that because there are people who get really, really caught up in being a Baptist, you know, but not caught up in being, you know, in Christ, you know. They get caught up in their denomination. You know, I'm, I'm Catholic, I'm Presbyterian, you know, or I'm a member of this church, you know, or, you know, I'm in this Bible study or I'm in these eight Bible studies, you know, or whatever. Um, so some would say that, that, that that's what that means. Others would, would say that this is kind of a tribute to the fact that, that nature was worshipped a lot, you know. Um, a lot of the, the pagan... Uh, religions around there, they had a God for everything, the sun and the moon and the wind and the clouds and the birds and the trees and everything. And, um, and so some would say that's kind of a, kind of a shot at like the worship of nature. Um, others uh, believe that um, it has to do with the idol worship that would go on. Um, you might remember uh, a couple of months ago we were in the sanctuary and we had the we talked about the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how he had them build an altar and he built an altar and, and they were, you know, whichever one was consumed by fire, that was the real God, that kind of thing. Well, a lot of that idol worship happened on hilltops. And uh, you hear a lot in the Old Testament about tearing down the high places. Um, they would be up on these hilltops and they would build these altars and there's all this, you know, that's where the Asherah poles and like all this stuff was, was there. Um, and so, like, as you were traveling, like, you could see on the hilltops whenever there were these altars that were burning, you know, and you could sometimes hear people, like, screaming and stuff like that, and because and, pagan worship was really loud and really whatever, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and so some think that it's as they're, as they're maybe traveling that they see, like, worship happening on the, on the hilltops. And really, no, no matter what, you know, all three of those kind of have the same point, no matter how you interpret it. The issue is that whether it's, it's people worshiping Jerusalem or nature or the idol worship, all those things are not God, basically. And so imagine these pilgrims as they're going and they have their kids. Maybe their kids are like, what, what are they doing? What's all that yelling? What's that fire about over there? Or, you know, a kid in my class, I don't know if they had class, but a kid in my class, they worship, like, the, uh, the clouds. You know, what's, what's that going on in the mountains? Like, their parents pray to the mountains. We pray, pray to somebody named Yahweh. What's up with that, you know? Or, or whatever. Um, imagine as they're going along, and, and this is the psalm that, that they sing. I, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? You know, where does my security come from? Where does my worth come from? Where does the stability of my life come from? See, all those things, it's not God. We have our own unique list of things that would be not God, right? Of course, you know, I mean, we normally go like the route of, you know, money, people's security and their help and their whatever, you know, money, um, 
stuff, you know, houses, cars, bling, whatever. Um, jobs, you know, that's one. Sometimes people get real caught up in their career, you know, and that's that's where they find their security, you know, is in bringing home the, the big check, you know, or the, some title that they have or, you know, whatever. Uh, things we don't often talk about are the securities that we find in relationships. That's not as easy of an area to kind of pick on, you know. You get people who are um, who find all of their security and identity and and strength and everything in like who their friends are, you know, who they hang out with on the weekends. Um, People end up dropping names of conversations so that people know like how cool you are and who your cool friends are, you know. We find uh, security in um, your relationship status, you know, if you're dating or not dating. You know, dating people tend to find a great deal of security in, the, in their status as a dater, you know. Um, sometimes that then bridges over into finding, like, a lot of your, like, your help and your strength from the, the actually the other person, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. And so as soon as you have a fight, your whole world just gets all thrown out, whatever, because all of a sudden, you know, your source of strength now is not, you know, not answering your text messages, you know, and they're mad at you, you know, whatever, and it's like, ah, whatever. Now, on the flip side, people who are not dating somebody, you know, then that becomes like the biggest thing, you know. It's like they're all insecure because they don't have somebody. So both of them are screwed up, you know. Um, you get people who are engaged, you know, and they think, like, we have a lot of engaged people here. Congratulations to all of you. Uh, but, like, it's like as soon as that happens, it's like, yes, you know, like, finally, like, I don't have to wonder anymore. And, and you know, all of a sudden it's like there's, there's that strength, you know. It's in that rock, you know. Finally, got it. And then... Um, you know, all of a sudden, it's like everything just, you know, ah, whatever. And so you go, like, in an instant from being incredibly insecure to all of a sudden, like, falsely secure, you know. Both of them, not good. Uh, you get married people who um, place so much security and strength in their spouse That just like the dating couple, whenever there's a fight or whenever there's something just weird or whatever, all of a sudden, like, it's like your whole world's falling apart, you know? Husband goes out of town, the wife just flips out, you know, calling constantly. Ah, just worried, 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 worried. We go on and on and on and on in the, in the area of, of relationships or lack thereof. Both of, both of which are, are problems if, if you're able to honestly, in your most honest place, say, um, I look to my spouse for help, for strength. I look to my friends. I look to my status. I look to my, like, whatever. Any sort of title you want to put on your life or any sort of relationship that, that in your most honest place, that's really where you are, it's a problem just like them looking to Jerusalem or nature or idol worship or whatever. You're setting your eyes on something that is not him. We can go through example after example after example. We can talk about ourselves, you know. 
anything that we could possibly think of, every single one of them is bad. All right, not in and of itself. Marriage, good. Okay, spouses are good. Dating, fine. Friends, fine. I mean, all those things are, are all good in themselves. They become bad when they become the things that we look to to find our worth and our strength and, and our, our health and, and our help. I mean, and, and all those things, whenever those become what we build our lives on, that's when it becomes bad. And so what do you, like, what do, you do about that, you know? Like, let's say, let's say like you're in that place and you're kind of like, all right, that kind of sounds like maybe kind of where I am, like a part of me, not, not most of me, but a part of me. What do you do about that? Well, this is what they did. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord. This is, it's like a, it's like a, a declaration, like a, like a no to those other things. One of the things on the community group material was like filling in like the blank of, of those concepts with, with whatever you're going through. In the message translation, it says, uh, it says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from mountains? No. My help comes from God who made the heavens and the earth and the mountains. That's how you work through that. Is you're like, all right, I look to my spouse. Does my strength come from my spouse? No. My strength comes from the Lord who made my spouse. See the, see the difference? Spouse, good, okay? When that relationship is built on the fact that, that God is your source of strength. Money, not a bad thing. But it has to have its place in our lives. Job, same thing. Stuff, same thing. Friendships, engagements, dating, not dating, whatever. All those things, anything that is on that list, if that is where we're looking, it is wrong. And so how do you work through that? The first thing you, first thing you have to do is acknowledge the fact that, guess what, I'm looking in the wrong place. The second thing is you begin to pray exactly what is written in that psalm. And you remind yourself, my strength, my help, my security comes from him. Only him. Verse 2 is a great big no to the lie that is out there. There's a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of substances, a lot of companies that will offer that fix. And verse 2, basically you look them in the eye and you say, no. I'm not going to find my help there. I know where my help comes from. I know who I am, you know. 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want because of who my shepherd is. I have strength. I have security. I have. I am unshakable because I know where my help comes from. And when life hits and those relationships or the economy hits and all this other stuff happens, like we get upset and things bother us and we're concerned, but our world is not rocked because we built on the right stuff. And so here they are journeying, and these parents get to teach these kids that amazing truth. Every single person that's in here and, and every kid that's here, you, you look at that verse. Don't you buy into the lie that all the advertisers want you to believe. Don't do it. That's the truth. 
So we look to the right thing. Keep going. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. All right? So here you go. It's, let's build a little bit conceptually on, on, on that. Okay, so the Lord is our source of strength. And they start talking about how he, he doesn't sleep and he doesn't slumber. Okay? In the story about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, there, there comes this point where they're, all, they're screaming, you know, and, and Elijah's just taunting them, you know, because he's like, he's that guy. You know, he's like, come on, scream louder. Maybe he can't hear you. Well, this is why. They, like, they're worshiping Baal, all right? And one of the ideas was that Baal would, like, sleep. He would take naps. And so what the, like, the priests and stuff, a part of their job was to scream him awake. And so they're like, come on, y'all, let's all yell. Like, apparently we're not getting the job done. And so they were, in that story, that's why they're screaming and screaming. And they start just, like, cutting themselves. I don't know, like, exactly if that was because, like, blood was helpful or because when they cut themselves, they scream louder, you know, maybe. I don't know. But a, a part of idol worship was, was the idea that, that Baal would, like, take time off. And so they're basically, like, they're telling their kids, like, okay, um, not only like is our strength and our and our worth and our security come from God, but our God never ever takes a second off. He is never clocked out. So basically, you have round the clock security and help and worth. That even when you are asleep, He is not asleep. I, I mean, that's pretty awesome. The fact that, that you never have to, like, tell God, like, God, did you see that? <laughs> did you see this text message I just got? Did you get this voicemail, you know? Did you just see that news report? You don't have to ask God that. That even though at times you feel like God has completely left the room on you, like he looked the other way for a second and then life just smacked you upside the head, it, he didn't. And that may bring up a whole other set of questions for you it does for me when the context of talking about security and help i like the fact that my watchman is never off duty ever ever when i was a, a kid uh both my parents worked uh in the in the afternoon and um so we would get home from school and uh there'd be a babysitter there my dad was a high school teacher, so a lot of times it'd be like people that he taught or whatever. And so we went through this series of babysitters and stuff. And, and uh, there's this one that we got, and she would uh, she'd get there, and she'd like give us like a snack or something, and then she would go into my parents' bedroom and she would close the door and she would talk on the phone until like it got close to when my when my parents would get home, and she would come out. So we had like two or three hours where we were like the king of the world, you know, and it was awesome, and then one day, like, she was mean to us, <laughs> we were like, oh, no, now, it's not a tattletale, but that was her last day, and so then we got the speech from my parents, like, look, the babysitter is here to watch over you, to take care of you, all right? Any time this happens again, you you tell us immediately. 
Because they were like, how long has this been going on? I'm like, oh, like since day one, you know. They were not very happy. There's never a time where God goes into another room and closes the door and talks on the phone. Don't believe that. You may feel that way. There may be times where every drop of evidence in your life that he is near, he may take that away. He really might. Doesn't mean he's not there. Just our perception is not always right. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So here's this family growing up in the faith on their way to worship. And they now know where their strength comes from and the fact that it is around the clock. Then look at the beginning of verse 3 again. He will not let your foot slip. All right, now skip down to verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. All right, as they were traveling, there were just some, some concerns. Every time we go to Mexico, um, I love the Mexico trip. Except for two things, the ride there and the ride back. All right? I am stressed out so bad, like it is ridiculous. Um, because one of my great fears is, uh, like, is us having a wreck, you know, or something bad happening on one of those trips. I've been on a BCM trip where really we should, it should be bad. Like, yeah, it should have been really bad. And God was, was very gracious and everything worked out okay. So I've been on those vans when someone's pulling a trailer they shouldn't be pulling, you know, and something happens and that sucker oh, is bad. Anyway, um, so I'm stressed out the whole time we were traveling, okay? As these families were traveling, they had, the, they had things they were worried about too. It was dangerous. There were, were thieves who would wait along the way and they would like jump people and rob them. Um, the terrain was really, really tough. Uh, and so if, you know, if it's a three-day walk, and by halfway into the first day, like, you turn your ankle. That's a long, you know, two to two and a half days to keep going. Um, dehydration was was always a risk because water wasn't exactly, like, flowing everywhere. Um, so that's where it's talking about the sun. Uh, the moon, like, being, like, at, at night, uh, I don't know, kind of a long story. Basically, the anxiety and stress of traveling. Sometimes at night, people would just lose it, you know. There's all these risks that come along with with the journey. And so what they're telling him is he's not going to let your feet slip. All right? The sun is not going to harm you. The moon is not going to harm you. He watches over your life. Now, it would be, of course, wrong to interpret that as, as a Christian, you will never have anything go wrong in your life. All right? That's, that's false, all right? It doesn't say the sun will not come out and the moon will not come out. Now, th- those things are going to be there, all right? They're going to be rocks, okay, along the way. Talking about the, the harm that could come your way from those, from those things along the, the journey, they're not really going to harm you, okay? Now, in this, when we're talking about life, it's not saying, you know what, you're never, ever going to worry about cancer, affecting your family, you know? No one's ever going to get in an accident and die in your family, you know? You're never going to make a bad financial move, ever. The economy is always going to be great, you know? Your job security is always going to be there. It's not, I'm not saying that. But it is saying that the harm that we think those things will bring us 
we're, we're protected from that. When, when he is who we look to for strength and security, the economy doesn't affect that, you know. A bad report from the doctor doesn't affect that. Death, it doesn't affect that. Those things are, are, are difficult and they're painful sometimes. But see, those are the things that he is watching over. And the harm that could come to us through those things, he protects us from the harm. And he gets us through hour by hour by hour by hour. That's, the, that's him watching over us. Folks, that's... That's a truth we've we've got to embrace. One of the things we've got to begin to do or to continue to learn how to do is how to bring God into everyday life, you know? It's where the Lord is brought into finances and the Lord is brought into how you uh, discipline your kids. And the Lord is brought into the major that you choose, you know, what you do with your summers, the people that you date, the people that you marry. It's where there's no aspect of life that we're not involving God in. And if you think about it, you're like, well, okay, if my help and my strength and my security comes from other things, then of course we're not going to involve God in those things. But when he is the source, everything is built on top of that. Everything flows from that. And so when life happens, everything goes crazy. You ever know people that are they're just like, just steady, you know? It's like, it's like they don't get affected by things the way that, you know, other people do. Most of the people I know who are like that are old. Like my grandparents, I've talked about this before, after 9-11, like they were upset by everything, but they were not at all like a lot of us, you know. We're like, man, this is like, Jesus must be coming back soon, you know. We're like, oh man, this this is, the, the we got war on our own soil, and we were just, we were, like building bomb shelters and stuff practically, you know, we're like, it's like Y2K all over again, you know, whatever. Our grandparents, they were upset, but they were like, God's gotten us through bigger stuff than this. See, they knew he's not going to let our feet slip. No harm can come to us. Even if I die, I win, you know. Move into the last two verses. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Your coming and going, now and forevermore. What these parents were teaching their kids on this journey is basically like, you know what? There's not a step that we're going to take that God does not watch over and protect us. He's going to show us exactly what to do. That's his job. What what great 
truths to bring into where to wherever you are, wherever I am. What a great way to live, you know? To live with that security and that peace. You know, when I read this psalm, you know, it's it's like, have you ever been like, you ever been in a really stressful situation and you kind of start to panic and then you kind of get your wits about you and you just take a deep breath? That's kind of what, what Psalm 121 is to me. It's like, it's like a deep breath. It's calming to me. It's like it adjusts the focus on the lens, you know, a little bit. And so we have to we have to rest in that. We have to love where we are. And I kind of feel like when after I've taken a deep breath and I read it, Almost like God's like, you know what? Tell you what, won't you let me do my job? In your life, let let me do my job. You be who I created you to be. I'll be who I am. And everything's going to be great. And the, the challenge is to take that deep breath and to say, okay. And to bring that into my life and to apply that to the things in life that are on my list of things I look to, things I stress out about, things I panic over, and say, okay, God, how do we deal with this? Like we talked about last week in Philippians 4, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know how this reaches into your life, but God does. And so we're going to spend some time just responding to it. So let's pray together tonight.